Today we talk projections and how they affect Dynasty. Chance towards the end zone and it is caught. Adolf here. Jump. Down inside. The silent count. He bails out of the pocket there. And oh, Josh Allen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. I am Wyatt, and I'm here with David Zach, who you can find on Twitter at DavidZach16. You can see him contributing at Fantasy Nerds, or Dynasty Nerds, and Fantasy Pros. <laughs> I can get those together. <laughs> David, how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? <laughs> uh okay you know even with that little slip up that i just had but um so today we're going to be talking about projections uh this was uh your first year actually doing projections i know you're no stranger to spreadsheets but this is your first year fully right. diving into that is that correct yep that's right so full team wise this is the first time i've done top level team scoring i've done individual player projections and this is kind of mashing them all together and then adding a couple little uh little models in between there to kind of integrate everything. So it's a bit hard getting them all to line up at the, at the end there. And I yeah. still have stuff that's a little tough, too tight for leaving room for, you know, the wide receiver four and five and running backs three and four and stuff like that. So yeah. injuries are really hard to predict though. So depending how much you bake in there, that, that affects your numbers a lot, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild process and I, I really, really learned a lot going through it and you've done yours as well. And I like checking, checking out anytime someone releases uh, projections, especially people I respect in the industry. So I like looking at yours. I noticed you did not bake any injuries into yours. You had a lot of 17 game. Only known stuff, only known stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. That's, at least that's right. how I approach it. Uh, uh, yeah, I, ju I don't try to project anything like that. Um, but yeah, we, we've been interacting a good bit on Twitter. And when I saw that you were starting to actually get down this process, you know, I was right there excited with you. Like, oh, man, I'm excited to see how this turns <laughs> out for you. And like, as this was happening, I started thinking like, I got to have him on so we can talk about some of this and how it works for Dynasty. But before we can get to there, for all of our guests, I always try to do a little surprise question for him. Some a type of would you rather customize to them? Are you ready All for right. this? <laughs> I am ready. Okay, so last year you attached yourself to Rashad Bateman pretty hard, which I think oh, makes yeah. a lot of sense. You know, this year it's Wandell Robinson, which oh, is man. a little bit of a Just turn around for a second. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it on cue. <laughs> With the Wandell Robinson shirt, uh, you know, and he's a bit of a decisive uh, prospect this year because he's basically everything but an inch of height, right? Like he's got everything there, but he's five, he's listed at five eight, and that that's a pretty big deal, you know, at least from what we've seen. There's not a lot of five eight receivers who succeed in the NFL, but so I want to know these are two of your guys, right? You can only pick one to have a breakout this year, though. Who's it going to be? As far as relative to cost or just overall scoring? Because overall scoring, it's Bateman easily. But relative to cost, you know, Wandale's like wide receiver 79 or or he was when I was yeah. hyping him up. So I, yeah. I know he's risen a lot now with camp reports about running with the first squad and stuff like that. And he looks just awesome. I'm putting him at running back, putting him in motion. It's just great. So I'm just flying <laughs> high off of those reports. But I would say relative to cost, Wandale's going to have the bigger gap as far as just straight up points. It's going to be Bateman, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts? 
Uh, I agree with you with with that. I think that Wandel has a really good chance to uh, outperform his ADP by a significant margin, mostly because it's kind of like an ambiguous uh, wide receiver room in a yep. way. Galladay, uh, Tony, him. I don't really think Sterling Shepard or uh, or uh, Darius Slayton. Yeah, I couldn't. Get, Darius Slayton can't get his name out. Are really going to be factors, um, but I also expect that offense to improve a good bit with Brian Dayball in town. I mean. They were so bad the last couple of years. They just have to be like an average offense and everybody's going to blow away their ADPs at this point, right. you know? Um, but I'm going to make it even harder on you real quick. Let's say only one of them is successful this year. Like the other one's a bust completely. Who would you want to be able to have the successful breakout year for your brand? <laughs> well... I guess Bateman, you can already turn over for a profit from when it costs to require him. So I guess I would prefer Wandell to hit because I have a jersey yeah. of every, for the past three years, I always buy the jersey of my favorite uh, rookie Z-score guy of my model yeah. that I do. So first year I did Jefferson, now he's Dynasty wide receiver one. Bateman's going through the roof right now. So Wandell's got to at least make some kind of jump so that either you can turn on him or profit from it. So. I guess for my brand, it would be a uh, Wandale, and obviously the shirt I'm wearing right now represents that too. But I know he had all the rankings like of a first round pick, in my opinion, from a from a stat uh, standpoint. I know he played a lot of running back early on, and my model didn't even account for rushing yards because I look at wide receiver models. The wide receiver right. model doesn't typically bake that in. So in my mind, he he could have been a late end first round pick if not for the size. So size matters some. People blew it way out of proportion. You can see it now. He's running with the first team, looking electric, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, everything about him I like is his height is very minimal to me. Like you said, it's one-inch difference between him and Elijah Moore and some other pretty good receivers that are small. So I don't I don't care that he's 5'8". He could be 5'6", for all I care, and <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered to me. So I, I like the point you made, too, about like uh, still being able to like profit off of Bateman, and I think it's true probably that Bateman's uh, market value is probably more stable than Wondell Robinson yeah, because of sure. the height issue. If Wondell Robinson does not succeed as a rookie, uh, there could be a lot of people who will just like be out. Like, oh, yeah, see, I said, we said, like, he's 5'8", he can't succeed in the NFL. Yeah, he'll likely be dead if he does nothing this uh, rookie year. But I yeah. don't sure hope that doesn't happen anyway. <laughs> well, why don't we move on into projections? And to start off, David, why don't you just tell me about your process of building your projections? Sure. So I'll open up. I call my projections through 32, through 32 teams. So um, <laughs> I do I do a top-down team approach. So like I said, I use my team models to kind of drive uh, passing attempts, uh, pace of play, scoring, touchdown rates, all that stuff. I use Vegas lines for win-loss record. I use offensive line improvements and declines. So like the Lions have been steadily improving each year. So I expect kind of a breakout year for them along with all the other pieces they added. Coaching's a big deal. We saw a lot of coaching changes this year. A lot of people are in on Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings and 11 personnel talking like that. So I try to use that some. And then something I learned, yeah, <laughs> something. <laughs> Something I learned from uh, Lord Reeves was uh, yards per touchdown efficiency for a team. So if a team was really bad at finding the end zone but had a lot of yards, I expect them to score more touchdowns this year relative to their points per game. And that that really pulls things together. And obviously regression from either a passing attempts or rushing attempt standpoint. So when you get really far to the extremes, 
people almost always come back to the middle. So I don't know if some of the people who follow me have seen that passing study regression where I had the Ravens passing a lot more. Granted, there was a lot of other factors like their running backs getting hurt and their defense being terrible also due to injuries. But the other four of the five teams hit again. So that's kind of like an every year sort of thing. So I like adding that in the, there too. So once I have that down, then I start building in my individual position models. So right now my most robust ones are running back and wide receiver and stuff like age, you know, yards per carry regressing, uh, touchdown rate regressing. The thing that's the most constant for me is their rushing receiving split for running backs. And then for wide receivers, I like to use my completion over expected percentage, which is has kind of based in similar to Matt Harmon's reception perception. So I've been kind of proud of that little study. It gets like two likes every time I post it on Twitter and stuff, <laughs> but uh, it's it's been useful in my model. So I, I like to keep building on that. Chris Godwin and Tyler Lockett, they've been there three years in a, three years in a row for me. So I'm I'm always high on them, and that's that's served me well as long as they're healthy. I, but, I love to hear that because those are the two people that I've just every year I'm in, I'm in basically. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Godwin nice. and Lockett have definitely been two two of my bigger, you know, stand players. You could say that that I've been in on. I've just always find myself with them on my teams. Oh, they're just good, and obviously, there's a lot going on with Lockett this year and Godwin's injury. But uh, no, I still think they'll outperform ADP as it stands right now, especially relative yeah, to underdog stuff. They're they're dropping so much that I still find myself in, even with yeah. the questions at hand. <laughs> you know, don't want to be in. All the time, but they just yeah. make it. You can't not be. Yeah, they make it easy. <laughs> so how does uh, how does my process different from yours? Well, so yours is like even more detailed than mine because you have all these models that can feed into the projections, right? Like I just build my. I have a projections template that I that I built that everything all the inputs go into. But I, in the same way, build you know top down, talking team level plays per game, figuring out uh, the team pass percentage versus run percentage. And then from there, start getting into the QBs to see, you know, what they're going to look like a bunch of inputs from for every position for different efficiency metrics, you know, to try and spit out everything. And then and then there's a whole review process afterwards to make sure, like, is this all lining up? Does this look OK? Did like yeah. did something come out so crazy that I like I like I have to dive back in and say, like, OK, do I think that that's actually likely or reasonable or did I do something wrong here and I need to go back and revisit it and, and change some numbers around. And I try to weigh, you know, historical data for every player, but, you know, weighting things to uh, the, the more recent years being more important as, as yep. your players progress through the year. It gets tough with rookies though, you know, um, coming mm -hmm. into the NFL, it's almost all subjective analysis, which we all have some in our projections. That's the things that really separates uh, people's projections. We all do a lot of the same things when we're building them. We're all looking at, you know, the, same numbers in a way and it's the way just how you kind of input them and the way you value things but then like wandel robinson everybody's trying to figure out what his target share is going to be you know, with the giants and that's all right. subjective analysis really from every person who's doing it you know so that's that's where i think the big differences can come from person to person with these projections where i think you separate uh you know um who could be really good at this? I, I guess I like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm particularly good. Um, I, I don't want to have enough confidence in that. I've been doing it for three years, but <laughs> I don't want to like say like, oh yeah, I do a great job. Like I look, I review my projections year after year against what happened to try and see how I did. But you know, I'm, I'm one of those people like, there's always so much room to improve. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm great at it. Right.
Yep. Yeah. If you're not learning from mistakes, then you're just dead in the water, in my opinion. So people will right. complain when you change a model or change the methodology to your projections. Well, you're like, I found something better. So we got to lean into that. So there's obviously yeah. a lot of people we learn from, right? In the Twitter streets that are doing projections or find a new stat and then you look into it for yourself and see if it's worthy and see how it right. runs with all your other models too. So Yeah. And especially when people, like you were saying in the beginning, like when you see someone you respect, put something out like that. I always want to go and look and see like, okay, what do they have for some of these players that like, I think are really interesting players to try and project because I respect their opinion. So like, if we're different, right. I want to see like, well, why are we different? Yep. Yep. And I, and to that point, I like looking at their methodology, methodology more than their results. So a lot of people will look like, oh, where does he have Rashad White and want to see exactly where he is. But I want to see the process that led him there more and see if it's, see if it makes sense. Now let's move into how doing these projections can help us for dynasty. And I wanted to get into like some specific things, if anything you thought of, but like one, I know I wanted to ask you about because it's became relevant very recently is that uh, you kind of have Kenneth Gainwell being a little bit more valuable than Miles Sanders this year. And you know, that's, I would say a little bit spicy. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people saying Kenny Gainwell over, over Miles Sanders, but that's pretty big impact uh for for dynasty when you say something like that like how did that affect things for you for dynasty with those so this is one of those points where you look at it in uh, retrospect after you're done and you're like boy i don't know that doesn't quite seem right coming out of the gates but you know i do trust my models a lot it's very heavy on second year running backs because it uh, youth is a big input for running backs and uh, receiving work is a big input for young running backs. And when you see someone on a career arc like that, my uh, my models are very career arc centric. So, you know, 29 and older players get knocked really hard and, you know, second, third year players coming to the league get a big boost. And Gainwell had a lot of use in all areas of the field, obviously scored a ton of touchdowns that people say aren't sustainable, whereas Miles Sanders had a bunch of carries inside the 5 or 10 and scored zero touchdowns still on him. But, uh, yeah, I I do review it and, and look over it, but it's nice when you get uh, you know reports that like just came out. Like he's running with first team, even though the coach said he still believes in Miles Sanders. It obviously means something that Gainwell's running with first team and Sanders with the second. But... Yeah, it, it gave me some pause. That was probably the biggest one. The other one I get a lot of grief over is Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. But, uh, you know, Henderson's always been there, and he did really good last year when he was healthy, and people just seem to completely ignore it. Like, he's going behind a bunch of scrubs for running backs, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It's just him and Akers because Kyron Williams got that injury. Who knows when he'll be back? And that's a very high-powered offense, so... You know, Eagles, Rams, they're going to be high-powered offenses, which also bake into the projections, and then the growth factor of the career arcs and Miles Sanders' kind of lack of receiving stuff. Even though he started out his rookie year really good, he's really tapered back on the receiving part. You know, same coaches, improved O-line. I, I imagine there'll still be a committee, but that still makes the lower-priced running backs in that field more valuable. But we'll see how it shakes out. Um when I do rankings, like finalized rankings, I like to balance my stuff out with uh, consensus, whether it's Fantasy Pros, ECR, or something like that. So I may have in my projection seat uh, Kenneth Gainwell way up here, but I'll likely taper it back to some middle area between Fantasy Pros, ECRs of just the most accurate people uh, versus myself. And then I'll still be very bullish on him, obviously. I got him on like, I don't know, 30% of the underdog teams right now. So, um, yeah. And I traded for him a lot in Dynasty. 
because I saw this coming. Another perk about doing projections is you can get a really early edge in trade offers. So I knew like Pittsburgh Steelers passing volume was going to come down. And I was obviously big, really big on Gainwell. So I think I flipped Deontay Johnson, whether or not that's a good or bad thing. But they got a very uncertain quarterback situation, which also went into my projections. But I flipped him for a 23 first Gainwell and a 22 second, I believe it was. So. And I'm really happy with that trade now, or as of recently. So, but that's that's just kind of an edge for uh, building projections give you. You get a more understanding sooner than the rest of the field. So, yeah, I, I quickly want to say, love the the Daryl Henderson call. I'm right there with you. I'd much rather oh, yeah? Daryl Henderson at cost than Cam Akers, basically oh, everywhere, especially uh, for cost, right? Let alone yeah, just straight that, up. That's in my that's mind. one of those things that came out in my projections. Like I just did not like Cam Akers at all. He didn't come out very well. Like I'm. Worried about his possible um, use in the passing game. We yes. actually haven't seen that much of Cam Akers in the NFL. And, ever, and like what we have seen is a mixed bag because there's like a five-game sample size where it was like he was really good and he was getting fed in the Rams offense. And that was before Stafford. And then what we have with him with Stafford is like post-Achilles when he didn't look good, which like of course he didn't. He was, gets good run defenses. Right. Post-Achilles. Very understandable, right? Yeah. And even in the Super Bowl, Daryl Henderson was playing on third downs. Like, I don't think Daryl Henderson goes away. And we know that, like, if anything happens to Cam Akers, if Cam, we know that Daryl Henderson can just be plug and play, you know, productive right. player in that offense. Exactly. But like he's like you were saying, you know, being able to do these projections and get them done, you know, early. I mean, it's a it's a slog to try and get them it's done. It's a grind. So can, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, like my my mission is always before June. I want my first set, my first you know initial draft done. But doing that, like you said, it kind of gives you a jump on some of these player values. Like we're seeing the ADPs change so drastically over the summer uh, for players and values change. Being able to do this and like make you know, put your stamp on a player like you did Kenny Gamble. Like this, this way this is coming out. Like this looks like a player I want on my teams, but he's not quite up there for people yet. Like I can go and try and acquire him at a cheaper cost and be ahead of the market. Right. Yeah, but you got to act quickly on it. Like you got to, like you said, revise your projections right away to make sure you're certain of it. And then, then you got to act quickly before, you know, camp reports come or injuries come out. And that's where yeah, you I, really get the edge. I think it's also really helpful for rookies. Like one of the ones that really stuck out for me was Jalen Tolbert, who I liked as a rookie coming into the NFL to begin with. And then he got pretty good DC, you know, day two DC on a very good offense. Michael Gallup's injured. We don't know when he's going back. Yep. You start to plug him into the projections. You say like, oh my gosh, like there's this big opportunity available for him, you know, in the beginning of the year while going to the draft process, I thought, okay, he's like end of a second round rookie draft pick to me. But then as this is getting done, I'm like, oh, actually, I think he's like a mid second round pick. And I would actually take him over some of these players because he has immediate opportunity and his value, I think could take a jump early in the season because of it. So I want to get in on the ground floor now while I can. Did you yep. notice anything like that for yourself? Yeah, full agreement on Tolbert, by the way. That's that's exactly what I saw just, as well. So <laughs> article right now. I love it. <laughs> two, two projections came with some results. <laughs> uh, no, as far as a rookie popping like that, I guess James Cook is one that I've been really deliberating well, lately. As I've soon as I said that right, right, I know I hear you say something I hate, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know if I like him that much like from my z score model standpoint he's like you know decent nothing great or nothing like that but when you do projections like some running back's gonna get the ball there a lot i don't know if it's singletary or cook i know 
A lot right. of people say Singletary rushing, James Cook receiving. It's like we don't exactly know how that split is going to go. I don't imagine it's going to be 50-50. One's going to stand out above the other, in my opinion. And being right on that, it's going to be worth a lot in my mind. So he kind of stuck out. Tolbert stuck out, I guess. Um, Walker stood out in a negative way with uh, having Rashad Penny there. I think he's going to eat plenty. I think Penny's great, but I've been on the Penny train for years now. So um, people are very bullish on Kenneth Walker, I think, or maybe making a mistake for this year. I like dynasty-wise, but this year I think it's they're going to ride with Penny as long as they can until he gets hurt, which everyone says will happen again. But I think these are both interesting, so I want to get into both. I'm going to start with James Cook. And for me, you know, it's tough to – project him to actually carry the ball a lot in the NFL, just because he didn't really do it in Georgia. Um, sure. And there's a lot that can be said as to why that didn't happen. But the fact is he's a sub 200 run sub 200 pound running back who didn't carry the ball a lot, but he's a really good receiver. You know, like I'm projecting him for 65 targets in that offense, which I would say is a pretty good amount for a rookie yeah. running back, but it's hard to say that he's going to get a bunch of carries over Devin Singletary. Not that it can't happen just that like it, I think of reasonable expectations that's on the lower end of things. So it's tough to get okay. too excited. Like I, I find myself not drafting him a lot just in general. I wasn't really in for dynasty mostly because he was like an end of the first round pick. And I was just consistently valuing the wide receivers above right. him in that range. And I like Rashad white a little bit more because I think like he has a fuller profile for the NFL that he can like has a higher ceiling than James. Cook. But, but you know, what if he's just like Alvin Kamara type usage where he is getting enough carries to to matter and he is getting all those targets and it's in this right. high powered offense. Like this is a real range of outcomes. So it's, he's one yeah. of those players where like, I'm just willing to be wrong about. Um, and I realize that it is. A <laughs> you real, got just real no shares. No, no shares for you. Nothing I, at there all. was always someone who wants him ahead of me. Like I said, I was always taking, if I was in that pick range, it was a wide receiver or a shot white. If it, you know, and someone would always take him before me. Oh, that makes sense. And then, you know, Rashad Penny, Ken Walker is also really interesting because, like, I agree that I think it's Rashad Penny's job right now, and they're going to run him into the ground if given the opportunity to do so. The question is, how long will they have the opportunity to run Rashad Penny into the ground because of all the injuries he's had throughout his career? We know he's dynamic when he's on the field. It's just how long does that last? It, it worries me, and I just find myself wanting uh, – Ken Walker, I mean, obviously in Dynasty, but talking about this year, which affects, you know, the way we think about Dynasty, is For that sure. I think there's a good chance he's the person we want at the end of the year in the same way that Rashad Penny was a person we want at the end of the year last mm -hmm. year. So I tend to favor wanting Ken Walker at the slightly cheaper price, although like an underdog right now, I think actually it's, it's they're almost like back to back. Uh, but I think I think in your like redraft drafts that you have, I think you'll be able to get Ken Ken Walker for cheaper because just well ADP moves slower for rookies like that coming in, especially after Rashad Penny did what he did at the end of last year, you know. But especially at cost for me, I think in redraft and in Dynasty for sure, uh, Ken Walker. But I think that's you know that's obviously not a hot take there for Dynasty, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, and that's a good point. The uh, late season rookie bump. I, I forget who did that study, but I think it was after their bye weeks or after week eight or something like that, that rookie values really take off because, you know, they learn the offense more, they become more accustomed to everything or starter gets hurt and they have to step up into someone's shoes. So it's a good point that he, he definitely has a 
high probability of a late season surge there, I think. So especially the way Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, whether they're oh, yeah. winning or losing, they're going to be running the ball a lot. And, and if you want the training cap narrative, apparently they, he just caught two touchdowns in training cap, both receiving touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> And we all like all you know the whole whole world is saying he can't catch right because because uh, you know how all tar- college target share percentages work and projecting for running backs in the NFL, which yeah. I mean I am I am on the side that says like that there's a lot of proof to you know that college target share saying normally those running backs don't tend to get a lot of passing work in the NFL, but I, I right, it's one thing to say how much it matters; it's another thing to say I just can't catch at all. Which is <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like some running backs right? can't catch very well at all, but I don't think Kenneth Walker is going to be one of those guys. It's it, just how much they use him. But it, that, that is one of those things we think about too, though. Like, I mean, like who else is on that roster? We've got Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. Like, neither of these running backs are particularly great, and but one of them is probably going to play on third downs unless Kenneth right. Walker proves himself. Or I, I got I got to start saying Ken because that's what he's going by apparently. Ken Walker <laughs> uh, <laughs> proves himself uh, able to you know block on third downs and be a good receiver on the backfield. Yeah, I think there was a news blurb that they actually said Penny was going to be the guy and Ken Walker was going to have passing down duties. I forget if that was from Carroll or their offensive coordinator, but that just blew my mind and everyone was obviously victory lapping that Kenneth Walker can catch again. And <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, dynasty wise, he's a, he's a good hold. I just think for this year, people might be getting their hopes up a bit, but both are cheap and redraft and stuff. So that's another similar scenario where I think one pops, but obviously Buffalo has way higher ceiling with uh, James Cook, Singletary, just their offense and scoring. But, yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing, like bad offense, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Which doesn't bug me as much as it bugs other people. I actually target people on bad offenses. Like DeAndre Swift had a had a down area because the Lions suck. So I actually got him in a couple leagues just because of the Lions suck. But that doesn't bother me at all. It's all about volume and how many fantasy points you score. If you're getting the ball a bunch and a great receiver like Swift is, then he's a great target. Don't matter what offense he's on. I, I love this because this this reminds me of something I think that like represents everything that we've been talking about today that's like, Amon Ross St. Brown last year was one of the, my highest rostered players, like going into like oh, even nice. redraft season because um, you won a lot of leagues. In. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I was, I was think I was like 40% exposure on underdog, but didn't advance enough teams for it to matter. Oh no. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, like, on so many rosters, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you get to the projection. I thought I was, I liked Amon Ra a lot going into the process. He went later than I thought he should. I thought he was a day two pick. He goes in round four. But then he slots in the position where it's like, I think he's just starting slot receiver for Jared Goff, which is a position that you want to have. And that's a bad team that's going to have to pass a lot. So I really like the way this is looking for him. I, like, I project him for over 100 targets as a rookie fourth-round pick and was confident about it because I thought of they Jared Goff throws short to a slot receiver. It's just kind of one of those things that we've seen over and over again. I expect yeah. to pass a lot, and there it was. you know. And that's oh, like that call. is how you jump ahead on some of these players. I mean, it sometimes it takes taking a stance on players like that. That's where that subjective sure. analysis comes in. But it can, you know, it can it can mean good things. And, and I didn't. Hey, I didn't only hit. I was someone who was way into Jonathan Smith last year. So like, we <laughs> all have misses. <laughs> I thought Jonathan Smith was the tight end hey, he wanted in New England. He's got a lot of buzz this year. All those highlight training camp reels. Yeah, I mean, everyone's saying his target per route run and stuff looking good, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll be i'll happily be wrong about it this year i'm not going back in i'm too hurt it's still too fresh <laughs> yeah no people who burn you it's real hard to come back around it takes me at least a year to like cool off but <laughs> yeah 
Well, David, this was great. I really enjoyed having you on to do this. I definitely want to have you back on again sometime to do a, a full-fledged Dynasty Digest episode throughout the season, maybe. Uh, before we go, is there anything you'd like to promote? I'd like to promote your projections because I've seen them and they're good stuff. So, <laughs> And anybody who does predictions, really, that you respect. I mean, they're worth checking out and, most importantly, check out the methodology behind them or talk to the person who does them and, and find out why. So. Yeah, I, th I think that's great advice for anybody who's like looking into this or just wants to know, like ask the person about how they got there. I think like, I, I know I can speak for myself, but I think I speak for most people that we'd be happy to gush and talk about how we got to where we yeah. got to in our projections. Because I mean, right. you gotta kind of be like a little bit sick and love fancy football a little bit much to want to go, go and do this. So I'm sure everybody yeah. who does them wants to talk about them. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, thanks for having me on again. It was, it was, it's always a blast talking stuff like this. I don't get to talk to my family or friends. They're not big NFL <laughs> guys. So anytime I get to, get to, like you said, gush about it, it's a, it's a fun time. So thanks. Well, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at YB underscore FF. You can find everything JWB at JWBFancyFootball.com. Join our Discord. You can find the link on our Twitter at JWB underscore FF. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow everywhere. We appreciate you. See you next time.